Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Patricia Sines is a speech-language pathologist with a pediatric private practice in San Antonio, Texas. She started her private practice after being in the field for only five years and is now working on growing her private practice. I got to know Patricia during her time in both the Start Your Private Practice and Grow Your Private Practice programs, and it has been such a joy to watch her flourish. In this episode, she talks about things like why she started her private practice, how she let go of imposter syndrome. And she also shares a really good tip about how to handle becoming an insurance provider. If you've been thinking about starting or growing your private practice and you want an inside peek into how Patricia has done it, stay tuned for today's episode. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place. So let's get started. All right. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? I'm Patricia Sines. I'm in San Antonio, Texas, and I am the heart of therapy which I love the name of your practice, by the way. Thank you. A lot of thought went into that one. Well, yeah, because it's a big deal to name your practice, right? And, you know, I've gotten to Mm -hmm. know you in in the START program and also in the GROW program, and I know that you have a huge heart. And so before we talk about really like how you started your practice and also where you are now, can you please share with our listeners like how you got started in the field, maybe your first, you know, job or so, and then how you started thinking about moving toward private practice? Yes. So I actually knew nothing about this field when I started college. I was going to be a teacher. I was going to still work with kiddos. I knew that's where my heart was, was with the little guys. And it was towards the end of my uh, degree program where we were learning about other professionals that we would work with. And I came across speech language pathologists. So I like kind of dug a little deeper, found out what they did. And I was like, oh, this is more my fit. Uh, you know, I like the idea of a more individualized instruction and 
the ability to grow and, you know, work in a variety of settings. You're not stuck in just one setting your whole life. So that's where I started, you know, my interest in this field. And then once I learned about it, I knew like one day I will have my own space. I love that. So you just knew that you wanted to have a private practice, right? Cause like some people, they think maybe they'll all do it one day. Other people think that is something that I'll never do. That's not my personality, but yeah. you, like, what was drawing you toward thinking about private practice, even in the beginning of your career? Uh, well, I've always taken a leadership role in the many, many jobs I've had. And they have like been from waiting on tables to like selling cars. I've always taken a leadership role and I, I've always like found little things in places that made me uncomfortable as far as maybe what's ethical, what's not ethical and not having the ability to fix those things, like hit my soul. So I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it the best I can. And, you know, I'm going to listen and hear out, you know, employees that I'll have one day. And, you know, I'm going to be able to make those decisions that I feel are important. I love that. Like, I love that about you. And I love that there's lots of speech pathologists and occupational therapists who feel that way. Right. And that's one of the main things. Mm -hmm that actually brings people to private practice is just like a feeling of either discontent or frustration or, you know, whatever bad feelings about like the system that you're working in. Right. Or like the supervisors or, or whatever. So you have the seed, right. You're like, okay, I'm going to do this one day, but then how did you actually get to where you decided, okay, this is it. I'm going to start. Well, I had worked in different settings. I graduated 2017 and jumped right in, started in a school, and then went to a clinic, then went to home health. And then I really had to think, you know, which setting do I feel is best for me? I've kind of tested out all these places and I cycled through them again, (laughs) went back to a school, a clinic. And then I just really started thinking, okay, I've tested this stuff out. You know, I can do this. And my fourth year of practicing, that's when I was like, I know other people do this. Like it is a possibility. I need to figure out how to make this happen. I always thought, you know, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, I can do it, but I didn't want to wait. I was like, I can figure this out. And so that's when I started searching stuff online. I found you, (laughs) I, I jumped on right away. Love that. Well, and that's really part of the thing is like, once you have this idea, like, okay, I want to start a practice. The next logical step is like, let me go to Google, right? That's kind of what we all do. (laughs) Let me, let me Google it or let me ask people. And that's the tricky thing is that there's just not that many people to ask, or sometimes there's not that many people who are like willing to talk about it because Mm -hmm. some people either like get weird about it or like, it's kind of, (laughs) or whatever. And so like, I love that you're like, okay, I want to do this. Let me figure out like who is already doing it, who is teaching it. And like, let me move into that. Right. So yeah, I've loved having you in the start program. One of the things that was great, you, you posted a ton of like, not only really good questions, but like huge wins, right. Tell everyone who's listening, what are some of like the exciting things that happened to you in like the early days of your private practice? Early days wasn't that long ago, but it was really exciting when I got my first client and that even happened by accident. So 
it was just really amazing that I was able to connect with a parent and I was trying to help her find services somewhere else. And, you know, throughout our conversation, she had said to me, well, do you provide services? And I was like, wait, don't think I'm quite ready. (laughs) I was still waiting on like the paperwork and all of that stuff, but she wanted to wait. She said, I will wait until you get your paperwork in. And that just felt so good and made me realize, you know, I do have the skills that it takes to make this happen. And it is going to be hard, especially private pay, but I can make this happen. People are, you know, going to want me. (laughs) So that was really exciting, a huge step. And then the next one, I think that really made me feel good was when I got a word of mouth referral you know, you're like, whoa, this person likes me so much. They're telling, you know, their friends and other family members about me. So I feel like that's a huge win as well. Yes. Right. And then once it kind of starts, right. I think a lot of people, you know, it's like the energy that goes into getting the first client, right. It's like, first you got to get your in a row. And then, you know, sometimes it's an accidental situation like you, (laughs) Sometimes people have to do some of the legwork to get their name out and everything like that. But it's like, once you get the first client, then you get the second, then not only have you been bitten by the bug and you want more, <laughs> yes. but like, like you said, word starts to travel. Like how fantastic is that? It is. It's amazing. You know, it's a huge city, San Antonio. So when you get these word of mouth referrals, especially so early on, Like that's a huge boost, you know, to what you're trying to do because it is hard and it does take time. So when that happens, it keeps you going. It keeps you motivated because you know, okay, another one is coming. You know, I may get five, six no's, but that yes is right around the corner. 100%. And that's such a great way to look at it, right? It's like, you just know that there's going to be more coming. So if you have a discouraging day, week, right. And there'll be something else will, will come up for you. Right. And so, yeah. so how did you get some of those first clients in your early day, right? You had the act kind of one in your lap, right. Then you had the word mm-hmm. of mouth. How else did you start getting the word out about your practice? Biggest advertising uh, source for me has been Facebook. I'm in quite a few mom groups And they let you advertise, you know, certain days of the week. And so I fully took advantage of that. I made this huge list of all of these groups that I was in. And I put dates that they allowed us to advertise. And I made sure on those dates consistently every week, I was posting an ad for my services. And they were not fancy ads. (laughs) They weren't that great but they got the message across. And every time I posted, I would get several people at least interested. Well, and because you put yourself out there, right? That's Mm -hmm. one of the things that a lot of times SLPs and OTs really hold back on, right? They feel like, oh, I don't want to be pushy or like, I don't want to, you know, I'm getting nervous putting myself out there. But if you don't, like, no one's going to know about your practice, right? Like I say all the time, if yes. they don't know about you, they can't hire you, right? And so I love your strategy with the Facebook groups. That's awesome. It was terrifying. It really was. Uh, I remember, you know, typing everything out. And every time I'd go to like click submit, I was like, okay, <laughs> I can do this. So it was scary. It really was. And I think it's like you said, we're just not pushy people. We want to help people, but we're not pushy. We're not, we're not salespeople. 
I think a lot of us anyways, it's just not in our nature to be like, pick me, pick me. Hey, you didn't pick me. So I'm going to keep harassing you until you do pick me. It's just not who we are. But what I liked about the ads, people can just scroll by it. They don't have to look at it if they don't want, but there's an awesome feature on Facebook. There's that search button. So if someone's looking for those services, they just type in speech and then boom, there you are. Yes. Totally. And like, you know, but you do have to do some of these things, even though you might feel a little bit uncomfortable, but the irony about people not wanting to be pushy, right. Is that, and I'm listeners, I'm not trying to make anybody pushy. Right. And if you're not pushy in real life, you're probably not going to be pushy as a business owner. Right. Nonetheless, you still do have to put yourself out there like a little bit, at least in the beginning till you get more comfortable. But the irony, this is what I was going to say is that we are helping people, people, right. And we want to help as many people as possible, but if people don't know about you, then you can't help them. Right. So I think that the trick about marketing, especially for private practitioners are to find ways to market that you feel really good about that allow you to find more people to help because that's really the part that we tend to love, right? Is like the helpfulness part. And it's the middle part that for some people feels like a little bit weird or whatever, but you found a really good strategy that like felt good and is bringing results. And I think that is the most important thing. Yes. I use Google ads just to kind of help cycle, you know, my website and I've gotten a few clients that way. And I did a kid's magazine that they put out all over San Antonio. I did an ad in there. I only did it one time. It didn't produce many calls, but I got one. I got one and that paid for itself already. (laughs) So I took it. I was like, all right, that was great. But Facebook has been number one for me. That's fantastic. Okay. My next question is what kinds of clients do you serve in your practice? The littles, they're my absolute favorite. So I have kids. My youngest kid that I started with was 18 months. So about 18 months to around 11 years old. Like that's my space. (laughs) And I like to have a good mix because the littles, like you really get to be fun and silly, creative, and they love it. They don't, you know, think you're weird for it. They love it. And then you have you know, you're going into your school-aged kids and those are more like you get to have like real conversations with these kids and, you know, things that are meaningful to them, you know, different games or activities they enjoy. So I like to have a good, good mix of these kiddos and definitely under 12. And I love that I can do that now. If I have someone call and, and their kiddo needs maybe some more like social skills and, you know, other pragmatic things, I can refer them out. And I love that because I don't feel that's my strong suit and I don't have to take them. (laughs) So it feels really good to be able to refer out. Yeah. And that's a huge difference between working for an employer, like a school system or a hospital or whatever, where you just, you know, see whoever is put on your caseload, right? Usually without you know, you getting to decide that, right? Versus when you're like, no, this is the age group that I see. These are the types of deficits or difficulties or whatever that, you know, or differences that I work with, right? So I think that that does make a huge difference for people. And it also makes people be able to be confident about the services that they're providing, right? Like if they have an area- 
Right. So would you consider yourself to have a generalist private practice or more of a specialty practice? I would say more generalist. I see, you know, the kids with language, you know, disorders, your receptive, expressive. I have some fluency guys. So that that really seems to be my area. And I think that is a little more general. I would like to one day incorporate like feeding and swallowing. Unfortunately, I didn't get much training in that. So um, it'd be nice to eventually bring someone in who does know about those things. And, you know, maybe we could teach each other and kind of fill in those gaps. I love that strategy, right? That's one of the really nice ways that people grow their practices, but still kind of so when you grow, right, you can either go narrow and become more of a specialist or you can stay a little bit more of a generalist practice, but it doesn't mean that you have to do everything, right? You can hire people who have other specialties so that in that way, you can kind of be both a generalist and specialist practice at the same time, right? So that's one of the, the cool things that that you can build up to, right? Usually people don't start that way on day one. Right but they, they kind of build up to that. So I guess my next question is, what does your private practice look like today? I do home visits. So I see the little ones either in their homes or daycares. Now I do go to several daycares, um, a couple private schools that I'll go into. It's really nice. I love being able to go to people's homes and, you know, treat them in their space that they're comfortable in. Um, Downfall is the drive, but I look at that as time for me to decompress after those sessions. It's nice to have that little bit of time to, you know, think about how that session went and I can, you know, kind of talk it out with myself. How did that session go? You know, what was good about that session? What are some things, you know, I can make better for the next session and, you know, some of these faster paced settings you don't really get that time. It's back to back. And that's great. That's great for a lot of people. A lot of people love that pace. For me, I like that time to, you know, kind of come down, especially if you have some behavior kiddos, it's hard to go from that real, you know, high emotions to, okay, I got to restart and take this other little guy in. So um, I, I really do like the home base setting. And I think I'll, I'll stay that way for a while. I love that. I think that you stay that way for as long as you want to. And at some point you'll, you'll make a switch. Right. But, you know, I'm one of those people who's like, you know, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. (laughs) Liking how it's going, keep, keep going with that. Approximately how many sessions per week are you at now? I have about 25. So about maxed out <laughs> for myself, uh, anywhere between like five to eight sessions a day. Um, I don't see kids on Sundays or Mondays and then Friday is kind of a half day. And then Saturday also about, you know, I'll work till one, just seeing a few kiddos that maybe couldn't get in sometime during the week. So I love my schedule. <laughs> I really, really love my schedule and it's, so great to do things the way I want to do them. Yes. That's a huge appeal about private practice, right? Is the ability to your own schedule, right? And either have full days off or half days, just like you said. Really good. 
Yeah. You know, a lot of people get into the field of, you know, SLP and OT, you know, in air quotes for the flexibility only to realize that it's like not that flexible <laughs> like at all, basically. Right. But it's one of, one of those things that we're sort of told like, oh, this is a great perfection, you know, for the flexibility. And then you get in it and like, wait a minute, I was sold like a lie. Isn't yeah. it? Like when you work <laughs> school or hospital system, like even early intervention, like, yes, you have some flexibility to, to shape your own schedule, but you still have productivity requirements and all of that. Right. So some of the things I love to see are start students and especially more with the people who join the grow program is people really start to think about how do I put in boundaries for myself? Like, how do I make sure that I have the time off that I need to be, you know, refreshed and to recuperate for the week so that I can really be the, you know, excellent clinician that I want to be and not just be like dragging all the time. Right. Right. I think that's really good. So tell us a, a little bit about the decision to, to start to grow your practice, right? Because that's kind of like a big decision for people. Like, do I want to stay small or do I want to start to really grow this thing to like a full-time level and maybe move toward hiring people? What was that decision like for you? Well, I knew that I wanted to get to that point. Um, even just thinking about having my own practice. I've always known I want to have other people with me. I like the idea of having a team. I feel it's so much more productive um, having those conversations with other, you know, team members about, you know, how your sessions were or different things that you're dealing with, with some of, you know, the kiddos you see. I think it's so important to have someone else who understands And you guys can share ideas and, you know, work on lessons together. And I just, I love the idea of working as a team. I, I feel like it, it grows everybody so much and you only get stronger. Totally. And you, you knew that from the beginning, right? You said that you were, you love right? And you love that kind of thing. And like, I think one of the things, a lot of people who get into private practice think like, oh, I just want it to be me though. I don't, I don't really want to hire people. But then what happens is, well, two things. One is that a lot of times like people's caseloads grow, right? So like you can think that it's going to be just you. And that's, that's how you start, right? Almost every private practice starts just, you know, with one person, but over time, like, you're going to get more inquiries. You're going to start to have a wait list. And then you're going to have to say no to people because just like how you said, you were kind of at maximum capacity. At some point, you're going to get to maximum capacity. And then it's time to decide to either keep people on your wait list, refer to other places, or hire somebody. Tell everyone who's listening a little bit about your thinking behind like who your first hire would be. So my first hire, I definitely need another therapist. I get lots of inquiries. There's a huge need in my area. All of the clinics out here have long wait lists and I don't want to have a long wait list. I want to help these kids. So I'm having to refer kids out right now. I've been able to make a few connections with some other smaller private practice owners for speech. And I try to refer 
you know, the, the kids in those spaces. I really love to work with kind of our, our smaller people. <laughs> we got to help each other out. So I definitely need another therapist. You know, my caseload has grown and, you know, as owners, there's a lot of things that we're doing in the background besides just treating really need some help there. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And I think that's really, you know, for a lot of people, especially with the wait list, right? It's like they they know that they're, you know, um, I'm just going to use the phrase leaving money on the table. Although a lot of times, sometimes people get, you know, have weird feelings about that kind of stuff, but it's, it has to do with serving people, right? It's like, you're either saying no to clients that you know need services, but as a business owner, you also know that you're saying no to income, right? So hiring people who can provide the therapy services will allow you not only to serve more people, right? And have that impact, but also to bring that income into your practice instead of, you know, having those people go to another practice, right? So I think that that, that's a really important thing. One of my other questions for you, and we had talked about this briefly before we started recording, was about um, your your payments. Like what sort of, what payer sources are you accepting? And do you have any advice about that? So um, I started private pay, was rolling really well, private pay. Um, I started to accept insurance. I did get scared when I wasn't getting clients fast enough. And I applied for a bunch of different insurance companies. I got several contracts, got extremely overwhelmed by how much was involved in taking insurance. So I accepted Blue Cross Blue Shield and decided, you know, start small, learn about the process of insurance, you know, learn about the billing. And so that's where I'm at right now. I, you know, have mostly private pay and then a few families that are using uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield. And I think that's a great way to start. Like, and I, what you said about like um, applying to all of the insurance companies and then getting overwhelmed, right? That's the thing that happens a lot. It's, it's one of those be careful what you wish for situations, right? Like you wanted the clients, but then you have like too many referrals and too much, whatever. So I also advise to just kind of start small on that and like, know that insurance credentialing does take a variable amount of time, but I think it's better to go slower and do one at a time and not feel that onslaught versus like being completely overwhelmed by having too many insurances and then having to learn that quickly. And then you still have all your other clients and whatever it, it, it can, it can get kind of stressful for people. So I, I like the way that yes. you are doing it um, and just focusing on one at a time. Yes. <laughs> and even now I, I don't think I'm going to renew my contract by the time the credentialing process was done and that contract rolled in, I was almost at a full caseload. So at that point I was like, do I want to even go this route? And just kind of seeing all the hoops you have to jump through uh, with billing and, you know, checking, you know, what their benefits are, eligibility. I'm really considering kind of dropping that, that contract. And you get to decide, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love it. <laughs> um, let's see. I had one more question. Oh, this was something else that we had talked about a little bit before we started recording. And this is this idea of imposter syndrome and of people, you know, who like are kind of interested in starting private practices, 
but that, you know, annoying imposter syndrome is holding you back. So how have you managed imposter syndrome and kind of what are your thoughts on on what it is and how to help people get past it who are maybe feeling just kind of stuck with that right now? Yes. So imposter syndrome is a real thing. I think a lot of us feel that and it's because we really care. We want to help, you know, these families the best we can. And we're, we're a little nervous about that. We're a little scared because there's no way to know everything. Like we will never know everything and being a little nervous, being scared or feeling you're, you know, like you're not good enough. That just means you really care and you want to do well. And what's great about that is we can jump on and take some CEUs. (laughs) If you feel like, you know, you're lacking in a certain area, you know, take a course that kind of will boost your confidence a little more and say, oh yeah, you know, I can do this. That's right. The other thing that I would try to think of is, well, I've been working for other people as a speech pathologist. I've been doing just fine. And if you can do it for other people, you absolutely can do it for yourself. And you can probably do it better for yourself, right? Because you're only... Worrying about your caseload of, you know, 20 or 25 versus your caseload of what, 60, 80, 100 in the school system, right? Yes, for sure. Yeah, it's a total different level of care. And I think that's one of the other reasons why people are really starting to pursue private practice more and more is like, you know, people want to go deeper with a smaller number of clients and feel like they're really making a difference versus going wider with like a large caseload and feeling like they're not making a difference. Right. Right. I think that's a huge thing. And the other thing is just to think of like, you know, financially, when you work in a, for a school or a hospital, you're not paid per person you see, right? You're paid a flat salary for the year, no matter how big your caseload is. But in mm-hmm. practice, you're paid per session. And so if you want to make more money, you just, you see more clients, right? But it's a completely different way to think about the math where you're paid per session or per client versus per caseload, Yes. And that is extremely motivating (laughs) when you know, oh, if I see, you know, this many kids this week, this is what I'll make. Or if I need to make a little bit more, I just open my schedule up a little bit. You know, maybe I will see a few kids on Saturday and that'll help, you know, bring in a little more income. And I will tell you, I have never been a morning person and it has always been so hard for me to get up in the morning and go to work. But now that I'm doing this for myself, I just wake up, I will get up early and I'm excited to get up early because I know all of these things I'm doing there, you know, to build my business, build my brand and help my kids. (laughs) I I see them that way. They're my kids. (laughs) So it just, it's just a whole different feeling when you're working for yourself. And if you're feeling burnt out, doing, you know, therapy in these fast paced clinics or, you know, in the schools, I think private practice is really a good spot, really a good spot for those people because you get back to what you love about this field. And it kind of takes that away when, you know, you're seeing so many kids and you don't have time to breathe or think or plan. It's, it's really hard in those settings and they can absolutely jump out of that and, you know, build their own business. Yes. And that's what you've done, right? That's literally what you've done is to jump out of that, start and Mm -hmm. then 
your own practice like pretty quickly and in a really thoughtful and organized um, and in control way versus like in an overwhelming way. So what do you think that the next six months or so like has in store for you? What are your plans for the next six months? Next six months, I will definitely have a therapist along with me. Um, I would love to get a space, even just a small office space, just to keep everything there, (laughs) you know, have a nice like storage area for materials that way, you know, the other therapist, she needs anything. She can go in there. We can kind of check out our materials. I can keep files and just a space that we can go to that is fully dedicated to, you know, the practice or what I've also thought is kind of having a hybrid model. I can have an office see some kids there, travel to some other kids. So I definitely want an office. Don't know exactly how I want that office, but I want one. (laughs) So an office, a therapist, and something else I really, really want is a therapy dog. (laughs) I would love to offer those types of services. I just, I know what an impact animals have on children and their learning. And for me too, (laughs) we get overwhelmed too as adults and animals just bring, you know, a a huge sense of comfort and relief. So that's something else I'm, I'm really wanting, you know, the next six months. Okay. We're going to definitely have to have you back on the podcast. Once you have your therapy dog. practice. In I think that that's one of the cool things too, about private practice is you can make decisions like that, right? You can be like, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to get a therapy dog. Right. And then I don't know, I don't know that the dog itself would be tax deductible, but the training would be like as part oh. of practice, like maybe not like Petco training, but like, you know, if you do like, you know, real training, like to be a therapy dog, that would, I would think that would be covered like as a tax deduction. Right. And so That would be a really cool thing to think about too, is like, for those of you who are listening, who are like, I would love to have, you know, animals as part of my practice. We've had several guests on the show who do hippotherapy. So that's the the therapy with horses. We have not had someone with a dog or other animals yet, although we should, Um, but it's just a very different way to practice. And it's much more outside of the box than people are able to do at their, you know, air quotes, regular jobs. And I think that's part of the freedom that people are seeking and being able to do that. Like, I think that would be so cool, Patricia, if you could do that. I would love to. And I, you know, some of the kids I see now, I'm like, oh, a dog would be so great, you know, for this child. Like I know a dog would bring so much comfort and relieve some of that anxiety for these kids. And it's just, just getting to that point where um, I feel like I have enough time to dedicate, you know, to a new little puppy. And I already know what I want. I, have you know, looked at these pictures, so it's going to (laughs) happen. I love that for you. I love that for your practice. And I love that for the the kids and families, right. That you'll, you'll be helping. So I also, one thing I really like about your story is how like you knew what you wanted in the beginning And now you're making it happen, right? Like you're, you're the kind of person I can tell this about you who knows what she wants and is setting goals and then is like backing into those goals. And I think that that is the smartest way to run and operate a business is to have that vision and then take the steps needed in order to make it happen. 
Yes, I'm very much that person in my family. They've always known that too. And early on when I was starting, um, you know, you, you get into those slumps when you, you know, see things aren't happening as fast as you want them to. And both my parents have been super supportive and they're like, oh no, you said this is what you're doing. It is going to (laughs) happen. Just be patient. It's going to happen. And they were reassuring me a lot too and saying, you've already done it. Now you're just building your caseload. They're like, you have established your business. It is a thing. (laughs) You're just building your caseload. And that always made me feel really good too. And um, as I'm growing, I do set more goals. I talk to my son a lot about that too. Um, You know, I I tell him it's important to set goals for yourself. And when you meet those goals, set some more goals. Like, you know, you, you want to keep going and, and growing and learning all of these things. You don't just want to stop. You know, for, for me, that's how my mind works. And, you know, so I talk to him a lot about that, you know, set a goal for yourself. You meet that goal. Keep on going. Let's find some more. There's always things you can work on. Yeah. And think of like what an example you're setting for him, right? Like you're like this, like awesome business owner. And I think it's really important for children to see that, right? Like, you know, as parents, like I'm, I'm a mom too, right? We we're role models for our children and we want to be modeling behavior and, you know, lives that we kind of hope that our children, you know, maybe don't always follow in our footsteps, but at least are, are seeing good role models for what they might pursue later in life. So I think that's awesome that you're talking to your son about, about your business and about goals. And I think that's great. Yes. He's, oh, he's such a good kid. You know, he's definitely seen this whole crazy process from even just starting, you know, grad school and on, and he, he understands so much and he appreciates everything that I have done. And he's always acknowledging, you know, those things and telling me he talks to his friends and teachers at school. And it just warms my heart so much that, I've been able to give him an example. And like you said, you know, our kids aren't always going to follow, you know, the footsteps that, you know, we are in, but I like that he at least has an example of it. So, you know, if he grows up and he decides he wants to go to college and he wants to do things, he can be like, Hey, my mom did it. So I could do it too. So I just, I like being able to provide him with that, you know, for me growing up, my family, you know, middle-class family, just, you know, my dad, sheet metal worker, my mom was a server. So when I graduated high school, I had no idea what to do. I always knew I wanted to go to college and do something, but I had no idea what steps I needed to take right after. So um, it was definitely a hard process. So I like that I'm able to show my son, like you can do it and I will help you along the way. Like it's, it can happen. Right. Your, your parents are your number one cheerleaders, right? And like, you're going to be your son's number one cheerleader. And I think that that, that's so awesome. I know sometimes my kids will do something at the playground. That's really challenging for them, right? Like they'll do something once and then they'll fail the next time, right? Like it's maybe it's uh, climbing up a rope ladder or something like that. Right. So they do it once and then they're like, oh man, like I can't do it. And, uh, and I always tell them like, if you do something once you can do it again. 
right? Yeah. So, and that applies not just to the playground, but in, in life, but in private practice too, right? Like sometimes people will have like a record high month and they'll say like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe I saw so many people or I can't believe that that was my revenue for that month. And, and then rather than think like, I'll never do that again, you have to start to be in the mindset of like, well, if I did it once, I can do it again. And at some point that, that number that was once uh, like a, a reach goal for you is going to be normal or even like lesser than like you're currently doing. Right. So it's really interesting. These lessons that we teach our kids, like sometimes we also apply them to ourselves and like can really see how they benefit like us as business owners and as parents. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right when we apply that, you know, as adults, because I can't tell you how many times I look at those little graphs in simple practice (laughs) and it tells you like this was that month. And then it's just like keeps going. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, like this is seriously endless potential here. So it's you're right. We do. We apply that. And I like that we look at it that way. We're looking at it in a positive way. You know, we hit this high number. At one time, let's go higher. Like that's not, that's not the max. It'll never be the max. The max is wherever we decide to stop. Like we, we can keep going. That's right. And what a perfect place to end. I want you to keep going, right? Keep going, keep, keep posting in the group so that people know, you know, what you're up to. And I know what you're up to. And I'm completely serious. If you get going with this therapy dog, you have to come back. (laughs) And share with our audience how that's working for you. But Patricia, I have watched you grow both in the start program and in the grow program. And I am so proud of what you've been able to accomplish. And again, I know your parents are proud of you. I know your son's proud of you, but I just, you're, you're so motivated and you're making stuff happen. So keep making stuff happen. Keep reaching for your goals, you know, hire that next hire, you know, keep working (laughs) so you can really be that leader that you, that you already are, but you just need some people. Um, but you're, you're rocking, keep going. Thank you. And I really appreciate everything, you know, you and your team have offered and helped us with. I know you've helped so many people make this dream a reality. So I'm very grateful for that. So thank you so much. Oh, well, you're very welcome. Thank you for sharing your story. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Don't you just love Patricia? I love how she had a dream and she knew what she wanted and she went for it. She is a perfect example of someone who started in the START program to get her ducks in a row and start seeing clients and then transitioned into the GROW program when she was ready to quit her job and go all in on her private practice. If you would like to know more about our programs and how we help support SLPs and OTs just like you when it comes to starting and growing your private practice, please visit independentclinician.com. As always, thank you for listening and please tune in next week for another episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. Till then. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. 
follow me and send me a DM. I'm at Independent Clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.